This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay and I am joined from Waitati by Mandy Mayam Bullock. Kia ora Mandy. Kia ora, how are you? I'm very well indeed. How was your bubble life? I loved it. I really did. We live in an amazing little community and um and we've got plenty of places to get out and about, lots of places to walk to and from, very much uh, in the immediate vicinity, and predominantly flat, so quite accessible. And I've got three kids and a wonderful husband, so we were very comfortable and busy, and life was normal in our bubble. You must live yeah. in the flat part of Waitati, not on the hill where my brother is. Oh, oh yeah, no, I'm a lowlander through and through. <laughs> Although you grew up on Not the hill. Not quite Doctor's Point. Yes, I did. That's right. Overlooking beautiful Blueskin Bay. This is my home, 100%. So during lockdown, you were able to, to walk around. It was quite good, I think, that they were deliberately ambiguous on the keeping that bit local. Yes, I think some people visited Doctor's Point Beach that maybe shouldn't have. Um, but largely I saw people um, on foot, you know. Lots of dogs got walked, very thoroughly walked in the lockdown. I'm sure they all miss it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so three three kids at home, were they studying? Um, yes, well, I've, I've got a five-year-old. She hadn't quite started school then. Uh, but my big children, I think they did a really good job of doing their online study. Um, one is 15. Oh, they were 14 and 16 at the time. And um, they seemed to manage their um, Zooming into class, I think. <laughs> we set up a little initiative with the neighbours where everyone sent me a playlist and we had daily themes. And I rolled this old amplifier on a sack trolley out to the gate with an extension cord. And each morning at 10 o'clock, everyone came out and stood at their gate and I blasted music up and down the street and we had a wee boogie. <laughs> and that was how we kick-started the day. It worked really well. It's got everyone up and dressed and motivated. It is amazing how the fact that we couldn't get together as community in the way that we used to, brought us together as community. Yes. I did a lot of getting on the phone and ringing around my senior people in the neighbourhood who I was most worried about. Did they have food? Did they have firewood? And they were really well resourced and well set up. And um, and because we live in the country, they also had planned, you know, they already had their firewood 
and uh, good stocks of stuff in the pantry. And my little revelation was it was younger people and um, people living solo that maybe found the lockdown the hardest because they were alone. And I really felt for those people that um, were stuck, stuck in their houses on their own. And um, thank goodness for Facebook and the internet. That was a wonderful way for people to reach out and um, maintain connections. But it's um, it's hard when, not like me, when you've got five people in the house. I think it must have been hard for people who were alone, alone. So after the lockdown for the remainder of last year, did the community come back together in a way that was stronger, weaker? How did it hold together? Um, I think that Waitati is naturally very resilient. We aim to be. So um, we have a lot of regular gatherings, the village market that happens once a month, and the stalls are free. So kids come along and they trade their toys and people bring their produce and secondhand stuff. Um, and nobody really comes along to shop. They just come to hang out and have a gander and buy a sausage, support the local school fundraiser and um, just connect. Um, and also we have, of course, the local brewery and the art gallery. And uh, we put on lots of music and gigs quite regularly at the Waitati Hall. So I feel like we're never short of a connection. We've got a thriving school and, um, and uh, I go along to the school once a week. The kids have a a day uh, for their passion projects and I've been helping with lantern making and they're into making huts and a group of them went off to the beach to be eco warriors planting pico grass the other day so um, we're very blessed where we are that the community and I, I'm part of the Waikoyeti Coast Community Board so I reach out to Warrington, Seacliff, Karatane and Waikoyedi communities and I noticed during the lockdown that the larger the community was, it was harder to know who your neighbours were. So a, a town like Waikoyedi, there was that degree of removal, just that bit bigger and it's harder to know everyone on your street. So um, I really believe we live in paradise, so our little hamlet we're very close-knit because we all do know each other. It's wonderful. It's a particularly, the, the school at least, is particularly progressive. You're talking about the, the project day and, and the the activities that they're doing and that they're connected in ways to the power pro, the community power project and so on. Yes, solar panels. Yeah, is, is that reflective mm. of the community or is it driving the community? Why, why is it such a cool uh, little place? 100%. Oh, Waitati aims to be a transition town, which means we want to be um, off the grid and resilient and supplying our own food and energy. And there's a lot of electric cars and electric bikes and carpooling and active transport goes on here. Uh, and the school's got another wonderful project. They're very lucky to have a teacher who's a ceramic artist and he's been campaigning and fundraising to line the garage shed and they've got some pottery wheels and they're putting in a kiln and they're hoping to do some adult learning like um, night classes and whatnot 
I think Waitangi also has a lot of artists, a lot of artists, a lot of creatives. It's a very creative community. Let's Amazing. take the. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Gloria Gaynor, I Am What I Am. Why this one? Well, it's like a power ballad. I was visiting a friend in Wellington the other day and she was talking about her funeral and she said, you've got to play this song. And it wasn't actually familiar to me, but as soon as she put it on Spotify, I was like, oh my God, yes, of course. So it's Pride Month at the moment, and this song, I Am What I Am, goes out to everyone in the LGBTQ plus community. It takes a lifetime to become the best that we can be. We have not the time or the right to judge each other. It's one life, and there's no return and no deposit. One life. So make sure you like what's in your closet. So how was your lockdown? Were you in Soyers Bay? 
I was in Sawyer's Bay. We were in Sawyer's Bay looking up on the, the other side of Mount Cargill that you look at. Um, yeah, it was good. It was. It, it's very similar, I think, to the sort sort of environment that that you're in. That that's mm-hmm. it's houses. Of course, houses are houses, but it it's kind of has that rural feel to it. Um, Absolutely. And and walking around the block takes several hours. Um, and, yeah. and and involves a mountain, um, so it was really good to like just be in this environment, um, and, and walking down the middle of the road and not worrying at all about it. That was pretty cool. And then that Absolutely. kind of then that kind of weird feeling as it's that came to an end, and we were thinking, you know, we're going to go back to we're going to go back to being busy. We're going to go back to rushing about, oh. and there'll be cars all over the road tomorrow. And yes. why are we doing that? Was that kind of that kind of feeling? And then, as soon as we were allowed to go swimming in the harbour, that's what I was doing. Lots of awesome. I managed to swim late into the into the winter last year, and convinced myself at the time that I would do that again. But this year, I haven't brought myself to swim late in, into the season. Mm-hmm. Well, you're brave. Well, I imagine the harbour's a little bit colder than Blueskin Bay. We're selective swimmers. We wait till there's a lovely summer night on an outgoing tide where the waters come into the shallows and heat it up, and then it goes out through the channel. And that's when we swim. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do have on my bucket list to swim from Port Chalmers out the harbour and around the head, around the, the northern heads. Into Blueskin Bay, I think that would be. Wow, a, I think that that's would be a, a fun that's thing a to do. Reasonable swim. It's a reasonable swim. There's a few bays. Yeah, but that's what I do. So, and certainly enjoyed that during lockdown last year. Not not going out to sea like that, but the um, it's it's really given a bit of a kickstart to the to the harbour the harbour swimming. What do you think that the the lockdown and beyond has taught us about the the focus on well-being? Um, well, I'd like to think that well-being has come a little more to the fore. It's something that I always prioritise, but I'm not sure that uh, society as a whole does. I was very pleased with Jacinda Ardern's approach at the time of lockdown, but I would like to have seen um, that leadership follow through with the issues that New Zealand is facing continuously, and that's housing and child poverty, largely. I know that New Zealand is a wonderful place. I'd like to think it's the land of milk and honey, but there's not actually that plenty that, um, say, we had growing up with uh, Norman Kirk's government, for example. So uh, I'm always advocating for well-being. I work as a carer in the care industry, and a large part of my lockdown, like I said to you, I was ringing elderly folk and checking in on them. I also did a lot of deliveries, um, just networking. Some of it was providing hand sanitizer. That was an initiative from the local community board. We gave um, hand sanitizer to all of our essential workers because that we thought was, that was something useful that we could do, and there was a shortage of hand sanitizer. And um, 
and there were some generous sort of frozen meals and dinners and whatnot. And I, I drove around, again, my senior folk who I thought were alone, and I tried to just give them a shout out from the gatepost and make some little deliveries. And it wasn't really about what I was dropping off. It was about um, conversation and human contact from a distance. Um, just, yeah, checking in on people. And I try to do that all the time. Um, one of the next events that I'm running that I uh, coordinate each year in the Octagon is a global Wuthering to the Kate Bush song, Wuthering Heights. And um, everyone gets together in their red dresses and dances, trying to, trying to emulate Kate Bush's moves. And um, this year we're raising funds for Weka, which is wellness, empathy and kindness, Aotearoa, which is a local organisation. And they do a lot of, um, during the lockdown too, there was a lot of seminars on mental health and wellbeing, keeping yourself perky, what to do when you're suffering from anxiety or starting to feel depression creeping in, just... Um, tools in the toolbox for managing your own personal well-being and I think um, I think it's a lot more common that we recognize or identify anxiety in our children and in our friends that it's a it's a real thing um, that a lot of people suffer from you know and it can be triggered by anything crowds stress um, and then knowing and recognising those things and then having some tools to cope. I think education is so important and uh, Weka does really good, good work and they have this amazing little wellness handbook that they make available to people. So our fundraiser will just be helping them with that, helping them make more handbooks that they can have available just to give away because it's... Um, it's the little things. Be kind. Why do you think that be kind? Me and the Dalai Lama. Why do you oh, think the Dalai Lama and I, we've, <laughs> we've got a simple religion. It's kindness. It's very simple. Why do you think the be kind message was so successful? Oh, um, well, it strikes a chord with everybody, doesn't it? It's, it's that, uh, I guess it's in the Bible, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Um, the Dalai Lama, he preaches it as well. Kindness. When we started doing this show, the premise was that we'd have a po you know, positive conversations. It's still in the intro. But mm -hmm. we wanted it to be positive but not deluded. We didn't want just to be blinkered to to what was going on. We still wanted to have that you know, ability to discuss the, the difficult things that people were facing around COVID, but also the other sorts of challenges of child poverty and things you've been talking on before. In terms of that positive but not deluded, how would mm -hmm. you describe yourself in, in those kind of terms? Positive but not deluded. Oh, well, I'm a... Um... I'm an eternal optimist, so I believe very strongly in positive mental attitude. So um, I can be up and down and sensitive. Um, I think a lot of creative people are. And when I 
when I think I'm having a low point or I'm feeling particularly sensitive, I try to use those tools. Like I, I'm very good at jollying myself and others along. Must have been those years as a clown in the circus. Um, but I think, I think that you can, when you recognise and identify things, you know, patterns or feelings that you're having, it's really important to, and I, I just do simple things like go outside into the garden, pull some weeds, take a little bit of time out to get some dirt under my fingernails and feel really grounded, crank some tunes, um, just up-tempo things, walk the dog. We learned those things in lockdown, didn't we? What we makes did. you feel good? Yeah, and it seems strange that we took a, it took a a global pandemic to get us to realise those sorts of things because they seem so obvious yeah. now. And, right. and if you had asked us before, we probably would have said them, but we weren't doing them. No. But I think we uh, are perhaps we, are now. Are we doing them? Are we? Are we keeping it up? Are we still placing that same importance on it or have we fallen back into our corporate, capitalist, profit-driven busy lives busy 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 we've perhaps done a little stayed a little bit on on the positive side of that even just little things like it's more acceptable to work from home yes and, and, and while that, that, that might seem like a relatively trivial thing it is a change of attitude it changes the corporate from focusing on presenteeism to something yes. that's more enabling. And and that changes quite a lot yes. about cultures, I think. That's right. Well, look, here is you and I Zooming, well, not Zooming, but, um, you know, having a conversation across a distance and it's easy, isn't it? Yeah. We didn't used to do it. We used to, on our weekly show, we used to make a point of not trying to do them remotely. Um, but yeah. because of lockdown, we said, well, we might as well. And it, it seems to be working fine. I don't know what we were, what the hang-up you know, was. If you told little me when I watched the Jetsons cartoon that we would be able to, like, teleconference with people and that they would appear on the TV in front of me in our lifetime. I mean, TV was one thing, but... Um, Zooming and FaceTime and all of those wonderful tools that we have. It's great for my family. My husband's from um, Guernsey in the Channel Islands, so we stay connected to his family on the other side of the world by Skype and Messenger. My little girl gets to talk to her Granny Guernsey. She has her Saturday morning phone call. It's night time over there but um it's really important or they wouldn't have a relationship with her at all and that's the magic of modern technology we certainly won't be going to guernsey for a long time i don't know when if at all bubble sprite of the forest of orakadui dunedin's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou, koutou awaho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're on together is proving to be very real, very sustained and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique 
and here better thank you and so i know that all of us been moving through a very challenging time together over the last more than a year and for me these five minutes each day so greatly benefited me enabling me to i hope reframe my daily experience into these few minutes that I hope can be helpful to you. I'm so grateful for this opportunity and to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team, thank you. I have really felt my life has changed for the better thanks to this show. And I know that for all of us, hearing the experience of others all over the world really serves to increase that sense of oneness and that sense of connection with each other wherever we are and whatever is happening with us, that we can be here together, we can support each other. And I think this is something for us that is innate to our species and to all life that we that we seek to nurture that we seek to care we seek to connect and we want to help so for me i've been really enjoying over the last few days connecting with those amongst us who are the younger life forms i've had a wonderful time with the lichen foray and connecting with the young students so passionate and so enthusiastic so involved and really beginning their journey and quest into the wider world following their passion from their heart's dream which of course is to be immersed in a forest of knowledge i like to describe our educational opportunities at Orokanui that they're coming out to the world and of course we have as a society chosen to legitimize some forms of our personal exploration in the living world i would love to see all forms legitimized of course and underpinned with qualifications and financial support for those interested in following them but for these young students the fact that they can go out and be outside all day looking for beautiful lichen with knowledgeable scientists and professors in there for me my hero dr Alison knight who's just absolutely phenomenal and has produced the lichen guy new zealand heading out into the forest into the wild and meeting these life forms and feeling so inspired by them their beauty and for me i think when we see beauty we can feel our own beauty reflect that's the best outcome we see beauty around it and i think for us as a species the opportunity to be in the wild and experience what our ancestors have experienced what all life before us has experienced which is that connection to the living world that is so complex and so stimulating that everywhere we look around us there's this structural complexity there's this beauty this innate quality of life which is to be diverse to be unique and to seek out light particularly of course in our beautiful plant relations that we see them growing and, and their shapes and their forms and how their branches grown and, and how their leaves are, are shaped and, and how their trunk is twisting and turning straight and narrow. Whatever it is, this is their story, this is their life. And for me, it's been wonderful seeing these lichens, which I know can live for a thousand years or more, we don't really know, but also to encourage and to meet these younger life forms so here we are we are so young compared to many of these life forms that we're encountering every single day maybe on the pavement as we walk we don't even see them but casting our eye down we can see a lichen that maybe 50 100 150 years old that's been growing in a crevice on our street corner how wonderful to encounter this elder and this great reminder of who we are and and where we are we're meant to do which i feel is to stand in reverence to the living world and in reverence to ourself and our skills and gifts that we have to share and i look forward to talking to you again soon thanks Kakite. you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with mandy mayam bullock 
Mandy, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last year or so. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Um, I'm hoping that kindness and empathy will be the real lesson to everyone, that it takes nothing to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes or at least to try and understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I'm an empathiser. I try to... I try to get where people are at, and I think it's a wonderful tool if everyone in society could um, just take a long, hard look at other people's lives and appreciate what we've got. Why do you think it took a pandemic for that to become the mantra? Or, or, or maybe, it was, maybe it already was, and that's why it resonated so well, that it is something we believe in. Mm, I'm very much into socialism and localism, so I guess that the whole capitalist capitalist model. Um, I'm a bit more about Manilow's well-being hierarchy of needs, and um, I'd like to see I'd like to see everything turned on its head. You know, I think that um, the planet and people should come before profit all of the time, but we've got this terrible terrible setup that we're scrambling to get back to tourism and the economy and all the things that are supposed to make the country tick uh, but it's always going to be the people tangata, tangata, tangata for me every single time so um, I think that a happy and healthy society is um, people when they're well you know a sense of well-being that's the strength of a community that scrambling that to, to get back to that that busyness is being busy mm. busyness as usual but we had an opportunity for a reset and some people are describing it as a regeneration or um so, so for some it was a recovery those words don't have to start with r but they do seem to what did you mm. see that as an opportunity for us to to do do you see it as a a are going back to business as usual or are you hoping for something else? Um, I certainly hope that well-being is always going to be the centre of everything that we do. Um, I ran for the um, City Council last uh, triennium and I'll do it again because I really believe, like I said, that a happy community is a healthy community and um, I would have thought at one time there would never be homeless people in Dunedin but I have friends who are on the brink of living in their cars because they just can't afford rent. I know senior citizens that are relying on their kids to top up their rent. I know friends who are building tiny homes and living in caravans because um, they don't have a lot of options and they don't want to always just be paying the man. I, ha I hate that... Um, that just trying to rent a house is so hard, that so, such a huge part of people's incomes are going on basic needs. It's sad. What lessons do you think we can take for the bigger sorts of challenges that we face? And I'm thinking of things like climate change or, as you said before, child poverty, social injustice, trying not to put a negative spin on stuff. But we do have challenges we're having to work on. 
and some of them we can't fix by staying at home for a few weeks. But what can we learn from how we've responded to the pandemic for those bigger challenges? Um, gosh, if I, I think if I had the answer, we'd solve a lot of problems. Uh, sharing is caring. Is that something I hear from my five-year-old all the time? <laughs> um, I think maybe if we had more of a Robin Hood society where it was all shared out equally, I think um, probably Sweden or the Netherlands or one of those European countries has got the right idea where everyone gets a living wage and then there's none of that pressure. Uh, I just hate seeing how um, real estate is escalating and just that idea, the ideas that we have, I feel like they're fundamentally wrong. I'd love... I'd love economy, the economy to just flip on its head and for everything to be localised and for us to, even from central government, our tax paying money, instead of the city being reliant on rates to fund everything we do, if there was more of a trickle-down effect from the central government that we were just given more spending across the board. Uh, because it's the it's the flax roots, it's the people on the ground that know the best way, what the best way to meet people's needs are. And I, I worry about um, things like the three waters reform that we're seeing coming at the moment, that we're going back to more centralised, even more centralised um, systems across the nation. And to me, that's a giant leap backwards. I think that um, we should be listening to people. Yeah. You talked before about the transition towns, Waitati. Is Waitati actually a transition town or is it aligning itself with being one? I think it wants to be one. Yeah, it's a baby, baby I transition town. I like the premise of the transition towns, which is not about trying to convince anybody. It's about just getting on and living a better life. 100%, yes. Uh, lead by example. That's how you get respect, I think. Don't expect people to do things you're not prepared to do yourself. So White Hattie tries very hard to, um, yeah, to punch above its weight, I think. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have The Broken Heartbreakers. I'm Not Dead. Why this one? Um, well, the Broken Heartbreakers are my absolute favourite Dunedin band. And um, this song in particular is about celebrating being alive and I think enjoying every day. And um, actually Rachel and John came and played this song at our wedding. So it's particularly poignant. I feel like it's our song really. And it was written... It was written um, a little bit about the loss of a friend as well that we all shared and so um, I think it's incredibly beautiful and Rachel has such an incredibly beautiful voice I really think that um, this band is going to go far they're Dunedin's rising stars
some questions to end the show with and lots of time so we can talk about them we don't have to rattle through them like we normally seem to end up doing mm-hmm. what is the biggest success that you've had in the last couple of years um in the last couple of years i'm trying to think <laughs> success <laughs> Uh, you could you could give me several. My, oh, several successes. Um, look, I really thrive on adrenaline, and I love to do events. So, um, at the beginning of this year, we did a show in the Fringe Festival, and it was called "The Carnival Ain't Over." And um, there's this wonderful venue in the Waitati Valley, and it's called an equestrian centre but I would liken it to the Spiegel tent. It's like White Hattie's little big top. And because I have such an incredible wealth of uh, talented friends, we put on a freak show and um, it was amazing. We had a gorilla playing a piano accordion. There was a juggler. There were incredible aerialists doing descent rope and silks from um, Rochelle Brophy's School of Aerialists and um, friends and bands played music after our performance, but it involved the Bearded Lady and Sammy the Flipper Boy. We had a lady with three breasts and um, a chorus of dancing vaginas, and it was all uh, set in the set around a, a strange cult called the Pulsating Pink Parts where we worshipped a giant effigy called Big Fat Fanny. It turned into a bit of a rock and roll musical. (laughs) And um, it was absolutely ridiculously epic. And um, I felt like we were pushing some social boundaries. (laughs) Uh, And everybody loved it. They got up and they were baptised by Big Fat Fanny, who squirted everywhere. And people danced and uh, felt very very refreshed now that was a success such a big success that we're doing it again we're going to do another one called get your freak on at the end of the year now if Um, Moira was here she would be asking questions about imagination what is the role of imagination for you um oh it's limitless isn't it 
I worked for uh, Ridgeways Family Circus for five years. I finished my university degree in women's studies in Wellington, and I literally ran away to Ridgeway Circus. I started out as a clown, and then I became the ringmaster, and after a while I was the animal carer, agent, education officer, driver, you name it. And um, I told kids every day, you can be whatever you want to be, but um, you know, if you get a chance to run away to the circus, you should do that. And now I tell kids you can be anything you want to be, but if you want to be a pirate, you should be a pirate. So in my village, I'm known as the Pirate Queen. And I'm not sure how that chapter in my life came along. Oh, it was to do with the Waitati militia when I was trying hard to be the captain of the militia and I was having trouble. So I decided to be in charge of my own naval manoeuvres. And I took over Blueskin Bay, self-appointed cultural ambassador and pirate queen. Um, so that's imagination. The, the militia are a bunch of buffoons and we're pacifist warriors and we enjoy um, a bit of hurling of muck and challenging groups like the McKillicuddy Serious Party. And um, I think it comes from the very origins of comedy and theatre, the jester speaking the truth to the king. So a lot of what I do could be political, but um, if it's delivered with a big fat dose of humour, I think people sometimes can laugh at themselves and, um, and pick up on messages, you know, subtle messages. We, um, we did a big battle with the McKillicuddy's last new year and it was about developing the bay. Bluskin Bay, and it's, I mean, it's always going to be important, isn't it? Um, development, it's something like, I feel like it's something that gets done to people. They don't really choose it. Yeah. Oh, that was a little segue away from imagination. Uh, but I'm always making up stories. <laughs> <laughs> Never let a story get in the way of the truth. <laughs> Someone once said to me, uh, so I like that that whole sense of creativity. I think it keeps me keeps balance in my life when I have lots of serious responsibilities and roles where I think I'm um, I could get dragged down into being bored with what I do. I on the flip side, I do these crazy fun things all of the time to balance it out. I work as an MC. I'm a marriage celebrant, and I also do funerals. So in my emceeing role, I, um, I help run and coordinate the Waitati Music Festival every year, which is a very big event for us. And I go up to Omaru to the Victorian Fate and Heritage Celebrations, and I emcee the Stone Soaring Championships and the Beard and Mustache Competition, do a lot of ad-libbing and thinking on my feet. And um, I love that stuff. I love... Um, Celebrations, life events, I think that's really important and that reflects in the sort of um, the work that I do in life. I feel like I'm always creating a one-of-a-kind thing, you know, like we'll never, we'll never have this recipe again. It's like a moving feast. We're living life, you know, in these glorious chapters um, and when you've got a lot of skin in the game, I always just, I launch myself at things um, enthusiastically. I'm one of those conduit kind of characters that's good at bringing people together and um, that must be the ringmaster in me. I find that my 
weekly schedule has always got um, community and groups and events in there. And um, isn't that what life's about? Got to always be celebrating. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are most definitely in that team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Superpower? Yep. Um, my superpower? Empathy. I'd like to think that. Oh, no, I'm pretty entertaining. Entertaining. Pretty entertaining. <laughs> Maybe that's those two things. I don't know things. if that's a superpower. Maybe it's those two things together. Maybe that's what makes it a superpower. Okay. The so empathetic you, entertainer. Yeah. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. Absolutely. What for? Oh, gosh, just about any important cause. Do you know, I... Um, I'm an advocate. I um, I think it goes right back to high school when your school report says Mandy constantly advocates for the underdog, <laughs> at, to, sometimes at her own peril or to her own detriment. Um, so I get swept up in things, and if it's important, I'm one of those people that fight for it. Did you go to Logan Park? If you need a voice. I'm, no, I didn't. I wish I did go to Logan Park. I went you, to Otago Girls. All my friends went to Logan Park. You sound more like a Logan Parker. Yes. I didn't really get any choice in that. <laughs> so what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, my family, 100%. If you've got a five-year-old, 6.30 is the, you know, sort of natural alarm clock. <laughs> she's pretty cute though she's like is it time to make daddy coffee I'll turn on the coffee machine what... coffee is a motivator as well that gets me up <laughs> and what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so um, challenge oh running for mayor of Dunedin yeah I'll be giving Aaron a run for his money Oh, that's just over a year, isn't it? Next October. Yeah. But when do you start campaigning? 18 months away. I reckon I'll start campaigning today, right now. Vote for <laughs> me. Next time a postal ballad appears in front of you, please put a one beside Mandy Mayhem. You're allowed Mayhem to... from air. You're allowed to say that this far out from the election. It's when it gets close to the election we have to be careful. Yeah, yeah which I don't quite understand, but never mind. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? We own the dawn. New Zealand is actually on top of the world. If you think about this, the whole world is upside down. Where does the sun come up? New Zealand, Aotearoa, the land of the long white cloud. Te wai tonamu, I think that we live in paradise. I think that all of the maps are wrong. New Zealand is at the top of the world. We own the dawn. That's my message. How can we be wrong? We're at the top of the world. I think the maps are upside down. 
I've repeated that just to drum it home <laughs> to the listeners. Mandy, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Samuel. And when you wake up tomorrow, you remember that, won't you? You're on top of the world. I will indeed. safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is a Three Dog Night. The show must go on. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and... I have been joined by Mandy Mayan Bullock in Waitati. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.